You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to have you joining us online and here in person. I remember uh, about 11 years ago, almost uh, summer of 2010, Heidi and I took a day trip out to Gettysburg. We were still dating at the time. And uh, I love history, and so we're going to kind of check out all that Gettysburg uh, embodies. And I remember we went to Devil's Den, Little Round Top, went to the Gettysburg Museum. We decided to go see Pickett's Charge. And uh, I remember driving over there, we get in the parking lot, and we decide, hey, let's walk Pickett's Charge. So we get out of the car, and uh, we walk to this big, empty, overgrown field. And I remember walking through that field and looking off in the distance and seeing Cemetery Hill and thinking how incredibly outrageous of a step this was by the Confederate Army to literally walk across this open field in view of the Union Army. It was a pretty outrageous. Outside of the fact I got a hundred and a million uh, uh, ticks that day um, all over myself, um, it was a really crazy, preposterous idea. And this seemingly uh, I, I, almost idiotic idea or, or concept would result in some 6,000 Confederate casualties, 1,100 of those being deaths. It was a pretty outrageous idea by General Robert E. Lee in the, in, in the Confederate uh, attempt to win the Battle of Gettysburg. And, and this isn't the only outrageous, unthinkable military tactic. In fact, uh, there are a lot of actions, irrational actions, that have been taken in, throughout American history in different wars, different battles. Uh, there are some uh, incredible, sometimes outlandish tactics that have resulted in sometimes good circumstances or outcomes, and sometimes bad. You think of uh, Christmas Day, 1776, as George Washington crossed the Delaware River, or, or uh, later in uh, the winter of 1944, 1945, the German forces decided they were going to try to divide, split the Allied forces, and they attacked them in the middle of the winter in the Arden Forest. Uh, we became, became known as the Battle of the Balls. These were some outrageous military tactics And not all of these courageous acts resulted in victory, but everyone possessed a similar common thread. These were tactics that were incredibly risky and sometimes just downright stupid, but but they did them. Washington's surprise attack on Trenton, New Jersey after crossing the Delaware River would help bring victory to the Revolutionary Army. The last-ditch effort of Pickett's charge by Robert E. Lee and, and General Pickett would be the beginning of the end for the Civil War for the Confederate Army, not just losing the Battle of Gettysburg, but the entire war. Uh, The the Battle of the Bulge, uh, as the the Germans attempted to divide the Allied forces, this six-week-long battle would result in more than 100,000 American casualties. But this intense battle would come to define the American soldier in World War II as they defended themselves, as they guarded, held their line, and eventually won the Battle of the Bulge. Now, we look back over this last year, we all have had our share of battles, haven't we? Maybe they are relational battles, maybe financial, maybe something else. There have been a lot of really difficult circumstances, decisions we've had to make. Uh, and, And one of the things 
that's been ingrained in our minds over this past year is the importance of avoiding risk. We have to avoid risk. There are phrases that we've heard and, and maybe we even used, like the, out of an abundance of caution or mitigation of risk, and, and we're trying to avoid risk. We're trying to keep ourselves safe. And, and, and these are uh, understandable because we want to be safe. We want to keep each other healthy. In fact, that's why we've taken the measures we have as a church to make sure that we're safe, that we're healthy, that we're protecting each other. That's, that's why uh, over the last year, we haven't had a single COVID transmission at a church event, service, activity, anything. Why? Because we've been careful. We've tried to be safe. The counter to this idea, though, this idea of, of safety is if all we ever do is play life safe, we'll never experience the victories that come by crossing the Delaware River on Christmas Day. We'll never experience the victories that come by holding our ground, even though it's incredibly cold and snowy in the middle of the Arden Forest and the German forces are advancing against you. You'll never experience those victories. See, while safety is important, and it is, God hasn't called us ultimately to live a safe life but rather he beckons us to join him on this adventure with the Holy Spirit, to join him in, 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 a, in a sometimes risky life, sometimes stressful, even potentially, God forbid, dangerous life. That might sound like the most outrageous thing you have ever heard anyone say, but it's true. If you read the stories contained in this book that we call the Bible, you read stories of men and women who are willing to step out and embrace holy risk, who, who didn't always take the easy road. They didn't take the safe road. Uh, they, they didn't even sometimes take what was logical. No, no, they embraced this holy risk and would, that would come to define their journeys. And, and consequently, they would see some of the most impossible, unthinkable, supernatural things happen that only can happen on the other side of risk. And in holy risk, I'm not talking about carelessness, disregarding wisdom. I'm talking about stepping out when sometimes the risk might be a little bit higher than you're normally comfortable with. And, and this is exactly what unfolded in the middle of this battle that was taking place in 1010 BC between the Philistine army and the Israelites. You have to understand kind of what was taking place here. Uh, the two armies were at a stalemate, or, or really more honestly, the Philistines so intimidated the Israelites that they were paralyzed. They didn't do anything. Well, some didn't do anything. There was a group of Israelite soldiers that actually abandoned their posts and went over to the Philistine side to fight with them. There was another group of Israelites that, that fled. They left the, their encampment and went into the hills to hide in the caves. Uh, what was left was about 600 soldiers with the king, King Saul, still in their encampment across this ravine where the Philistines were encamped. Now, King Saul, King Saul's son, Jonathan, had a little bit of a different perspective than the rest of his fellow soldiers. He wasn't satisfied with just being closer in eyesight of the enemy. He wanted to see the victory that should be theirs. So, so he undertook a secret mission going into the very, the, the enemy's camp itself. And Jonathan shares this kind of outrageous idea with his armor bearer. Like, hey buddy, why don't you come with me? We're gonna go over to the Philistines there. We're gonna, we're gonna destroy them. We're gonna bring victory. 
And, and this, is, this is where the armor bearer uh, gives this incredibly profound response. It's recorded in the Old Testament, first part of the Bible, chapter, and first, first Samuel chapter 14 and verse 7. Here's what the armor bearer says to Jonathan's crazy idea. He says, do all you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Can you say the word all? How often do you give a crazy idea and the person responds with like, yeah, do whatever you want, do it all. Usually what follows that is, go for it, man, that's awesome. I'm gonna stand over here, I'll hold the camera, do whatever you're gonna do. And, and I'll, I'll be here. But that's not what he says. He says, do all you have in mind, go ahead, listen to this, I am with you heart and soul. He didn't say, hey, hey man, go for it, that's awesome, good luck, you're gonna, you're gonna make it, hopefully you don't you know, kill yourself or break something, I'll stay over here and cheer you on, I got little pom-poms and we'll be all good, I'll be your biggest cheering section, it's gonna be awesome. No, he says, I'm with you, heart and soul, I'm with you, heart and soul, wherever you go, I'm gonna go. Can I tell you something? Reading this excites me. This excites me because I don't know about you, but I want my life to count for something. I want to invest the years I've been given into something I'm so passionate about that I can say I'm putting my heart and soul into it. I don't want to just meander through life and, and, and make it and just survive. I want to do something more than that. And if you haven't found something like that for your life, don't stop looking because I believe so deeply that we were all designed to do that, to put our heart and soul into something. And when you find that thing that God has placed within you to do, you take an entirely different perspective of risk, of comfort, of safety. Since today's Valentine's Day and we're all about how we met, you know, I remember the first date Heidi and I went on. Um, it was an incredibly memorable date uh, because she was amazing, but beyond that, we also ate sushi. Um, now, I'll be honest with you, I had never had sushi before, and to be totally transparent, I haven't had sushi since. But I ate every bite of the sushi that day with a smile on my face. I don't like the taste of it. I think it's disgusting. Um, I'll take good, good, good uh, plate of cooked crab legs anytime. Emphasis on the word cooked. Um, but for her, I did it. Why? Here's why. I was willing to step out of what was comfortable or safe for me because I was passionate about getting to know her. Changed my perspective on what's comfortable, what's safe. If you have kids, you'd probably agree with this. The same is true with my kids. I have continually put myself in uncomfortable uh, situations, situations where it wasn't really safe, whether that was catching vomit in my hand or on my leg, whether that's, you know, putting myself in harm's way to jump, to catch my kids, or whatever it may be, I have continually done that. I've experienced risk, uh, being uncomfortable, being out of the box, all of that. Why? Because I have this strong conviction that I want to raise good, godly, healthy kids. Now, listen to what unfolded uh, with Jonathan and his armor bearers. They embarked on this insane mission. As they, they come through this no, narrow crevice on their way to secretly attack the Philistines, they spot them, and they yell down to them. Listen to what happens. Verse 12 of, of 1 Samuel 14. It says this. Uh, it says, the men 
of the outpost, this is from the Philistine outpost, shouted down to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. Now, this is usually the point where, you know, wiser minds prevail and we're like, all right, they found us out. Like, they're above us. This isn't going to be safe. Let's just turn around. We'll try something else. Let's try, you know, you know, we'll send a drone over or something and drop something on them. Like, this is the point where you turn around and say, I don't think this is going to work out, guys. Uh, now, understand the enemies above them. So they're, they're like here, and the Philistines are here, and uh, that above them kind of position is really a superior position because they have everything in their favor to defend themselves. Uh, but something comes over Jonathan, and, and he doesn't back down. He does something different. Listen, the second part of verse 12. It says, so Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. How did you interpret that? It'd be like, did they just speak a language? I, I, I don't know you heard, but what I heard was they said, come up here and we're going to teach you a lesson. That's usually not the thing to, to, to you know, respond to when someone's holding like a sword and a uh, spear or something and they're aimed right at you and they're above you. Like that's not the point to say, let's go for it. But, but he goes, listen, Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet. So, I mean, he's climbing up like a cliff, like a steep hill. Climbs up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. Now, uh, picture this. These two crazy guys are climbing up this cliff with enemy forces above them, and the, the forces are well aware they're coming. This isn't like a surprise attack, like they're going to jump up out, out, at them. Uh, not only do they make it to the top alive, which is a miracle in and of itself, they kill 20 Philistine soldiers who were prepared for them, equipped, who were well fortified, protected, armored, all of that. They killed 20 of them in the, in the space of less than half an acre. That's unbelievable. You know what's even more incredible, though? Remember those 600 soldiers who were encamped? Remember those other soldiers who fled to go into the hill country and hide in caves? And remember those soldiers that deserted their post and went to fight with the Philistines? What the sight and sound uh, of victory coming from Jonathan and and his armor bearer's courageous acts, they were inspired to fight themselves. Listen to this, verse 20. It says, Then Saul and all his men assembled and went to the battle. They found the Philistines in total confusion, striking each other with their swords. Those Hebrews who had previously been with the Philistines, Hebrews being Israelites, had previously been with the Philistines and had gone up with them to their camp, went over to the Israelites who were Saul and Jonathan. When all the Israelites who had hidden in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were on the run, they joined the battle in hot pursuit. So on that day, the Lord saved Israel. And the battle moved on beyond Beth-Avon. See, the decisions by Jonathan, this decision by him and his armor bearer to run with abandon spurred the rest of his, their fellow soldiers to do the same. It wasn't like they were doing this in a vacuum. And in much the same way as it might seem crazy to an outsider for me to eat sushi, even though I despise it, don't enjoy it. Why would you do that? Or, or, or to put myself in harm's way just so my kids could be safe or okay. Jonathan and his armor bearer did something that others, Jonathan's father included, thought was almost stupid. To some, that might seem entirely careless, completely careless. And what I'm talking about 
isn't living a careless life. In fact, Jonathan was far from a careless person. We have no record in scripture of him ever being careless. He wasn't careless. He was dedicated. It's a completely different thing. You see, the difference is in what you're investing into your life. A person that's careless makes a rash decision based on an emotional impulse or an opinion. You, you, you see something in the store and you have to buy it. I, got, I have to have that right now. Or, or you hear something and you're like, I have to post that right now. Or, 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 or you feel something, you have to act upon it right in that moment. Sometimes that's being careless. The difference for Jonathan here is he made a decision not based on an impulse or an opinion. He made a decision based on a well-developed conviction. And that conviction was this. In, in verse 6 of 1 Corinthians 14, here's what he said early on. So Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. He's referring to the Philistines. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving. He said nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. What's he saying? He's saying, hey, we're going to go do this because, you know what, God's with us. It, it wasn't that Jonathan and his armor bearer ran with careless abandon. They ran with a sense that their lives were ultimately in God's hands, that he was still in control. And, and this decision to step out into this holy risk was spurred by Jonathan's commitment to his creator, that, that he knew Man, not that it's going to be easy, not that even he's going to live. Like Jonathan never said, I'm going to live. He said, God's ultimately going to save, whatever that might look like. There's a trust. Pastor Dave talked about this last week. There's an incredible trust in God. Not trust in the circumstances, not trust in a person's opinion or that person's opinion, a trust ultimately in God. Now, I want to bring this home real quick. And uh, apologize in advance if I step on some toes. My, my hope is ultimately to see each and every one of you step in to your full potential in God. It's ultimately to see that happen. That might happen here at Calvary. That might happen somewhere else. But ultimately, we do what we do here. All of our leaders, our staff, our pastors, we do what we do here. We sacrifice all that we do. We serve, we care, we minister for this very reason, to see the potential God put within you the moment you were born become realized. That's why, that's why we do this. With that said, we've found ourselves in a, a time period where it's become easier than ever before, more acceptable to sell out your journey with Christ for the sake of your preference, your comfort, or maybe an opinion that you hear or hold to. We, we do only what's convenient or what's comfortable or what fits into our little box of how the world should be. And the truth is, uh, if there's a cost to your faith, I promise you, you will be given an opportunity to pay that price. This is a reason, or this is a season where there are a lot of opinions, and those opinions can oftentimes supersede even what we know to ultimately be true. Whether it's opinion about a mask, and whether a mask is effective or not, uh, whether it's opinion about a virus, whether it's opinion about this political party or that political party, whether it's opinion about this or that, we've allowed those opinions to now become almost to the level of the scripture, of the truth of what God says, his promises. And when an opinion supersedes our conviction, we're destined to fail. The moment as followers of Jesus or as a church, we allow opinions 
to become greater, a greater influence than our convictions of what God is doing and who he is, we are destined to fail. We've walked away from what God wants. See, here's the deal. Holy risk happens when conviction produces action that aligns with God's purpose. When, when, when we find this conviction that God's put within us, he's gonna challenge us to step out in holy risk to accomplish his purpose. For Jonathan, the opinion of his father, who, by the way, was the king, the ultimate authority in all of Israel, was that what he did wasn't safe or wise to do. But he did it anyway. He didn't do that uh, and make that decision because of his own differing opinion, because he's like, well, my dad doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm going to prove him wrong. It had nothing to do with that. He did that because, uh, not because of an opinion, but because of his conviction. He had this conviction that he said in verse 6, that God is with us. We're, we're not in this alone. Now, I'm not saying we should uh, throw all caution to the wind. I'm not saying that we should uh, just stop using our heads. What I am saying is I believe it's important as followers of Jesus that we don't allow safety or our opinions about safety to become an idol for us. And, and I, I, I'll be honest with you and just being as you know, forward as I can be. We found ourselves in a period where, as followers of Jesus, we've allowed people's opinions about all kinds of things to become idols for us. Maybe, hey, I don't agree with that person, so I'm going to cancel them out of my life. I don't like where they stand on that political issue. I'm going to cancel them out of our li- my life. And we've allowed them to become idols. Idols meaning they dictate our actions. Jesus dictates our actions. This book we call the Bible dictates our actions. Not our opinion, not someone else's opinion, not because we don't like the way that's going or that's going. Jesus does that. And we've come to this place where I believe it's, a, it, it, it's kind of a come to Jesus moment, pun intended, for the church and for followers of Jesus across our country. Are, are we gonna allow our comfort and our opinion or the opinion of those that we're, we're connected to, to supersede, ultimately, what God has called us to do? Which one's going to be more important? Jesus never said his ultimate goal for us was to be safe. Never, never said that. He said his goal for us is to be complete. Your journey toward completion in Christ, believe it or not, will take you through holy risk, uncomfortable pruning, and, and even times, pain. That doesn't minimize what God is doing. Uh, but I would argue he does his best work with those like Jonathan and his armor bearer who are willing to step out and take risk. And the picture God has really been bringing to my mind as the worship team comes this morning, the picture God's been bringing to my mind uh, as I've been preparing these last few weeks for today's message is this idea of Focus. I think so, there's so much. I, I, you just jump online, watch the news, whatever, read the newspaper if you still do that, uh, wh- whatever it is. There's so many voices happening in our world that are clouding our view of what God really wants. And I think as a church and as followers of Jesus, we've, we've lost our focus. We've, we've lost, like, what is the end goal here? 
Remember, holy risk happens when we step out and take action toward God's purpose. We've forgotten God's purpose. Our purpose is to survive. But what about God's purpose? Jonathan's purpose wasn't to survive. (laughs) He climbed up a cliff with enemy forces literally right over him, ready for him, poised, waiting for him, and he climbed the cliff. And his crazy armor bearer was right behind him, heart and soul. It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't about his purpose to survive. It was about God's purpose. And, and, and kind of the view, God just keeps reminding me, is this is a time we need to get back into focus. What's really important. Like, really, when you boil it down, what is God trying to accomplish? And I promise you, he's trying to accomplish something. He's not sitting back in his recliner, lazy boy, on his, you know, 10th rerun of Gilmore Girls, waiting for things to kind of pass over so that he can then start working again. God is still working. He's still moving. He's still acting. And the question is, are we going to be part of it? Are we going to allow some of these idols, so to speak, these things in our lives, these opinions, these uh, uh, ideas to, to cloud our view of what he wants to do? Or can we get back into focus? I want, I want you this week to ask yourself something. I, I want you to focus on what are the risks God is asking you to take based on your holy convictions. What are the risks? I'm not telling you like, you know, go do something crazy like sell everything and, and you know, go live in your van down by the river or whatever it is. Like, I'm not telling you to do something uh, dumb or stupid, like God gave you a brain and a head for a reason, use that brain that God's given you, but, but what are the holy risks that those godly convictions are calling you to? I'm, I'm not saying that we should be dumb, but, but what irrational, possibly illogical, risky things is God putting on your heart to do? And if you're like, man, I don't have anything. I've got nothing. Like, God has never called me to, to take risk or to step out in faith. I would question whether or not you're hearing from God because he's always calling us out of what's comfortable and rational. You can read this entire book, Genesis to Revelation. You can read church history beyond that from, from the first century till today, the 21st century. God has been calling his people to take risk, to step out of what's comfortable, to step out of what's safe. And that's where God meets us. Please hear me. I'm not saying that we're gonna throw caution to the wind and and not be smart. But I'm saying is that God's end goal for you and for me isn't to be safe, it's to be complete. How can we position ourselves with a posture? Not of fear or cringing back, but also not of like righteous indignation where I'm going to prove everybody wrong and show them I know better. Both of those positions and postures are wrong. But a posture of trust. God, I want you to complete me and I'm going to be obedient as you lead me. Not to prove a point to someone, not to make a statement, not to show everybody I know better or to show everybody, you know, this is this or that. But ultimately, show that God is completing me, that I am a work in progress, and he's forming me and shaping me. And the worst thing that can happen to any of us is that we reach the end of our lives 
lives that we played so safe that we never saw the supernatural impossible accomplished through us. He wants that for all of us, not just Jonathan, not just the Apostle Paul. He, he wants that for all of us. It's gonna happen as we step out. As we sang earlier, we're gonna sing here in a minute. We have this assurance. This assurance that we're not in this on our own. Jonathan said, man, God's with me. He's gonna save us by little or by few. Armor bearer said, I'm with you heart and soul. We have this blessed assurance that what we face, what we walk through isn't simply in our hands, that we have to figure it all out and know how it all turns out. There's a measure of trust that we have to exercise. We say, God, I'm, I'm trusting in you. I don't know how this works, but I know you do. I'm gonna trust in you. Would you stand with me this morning? We're gonna sing this song together. As we sing this song, for you, maybe it's not singing anything, honestly. Maybe for you, it's taking a moment to really process. God, what, 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 where, are you, where are you challenging me to trust? Where are you challenging me to exercise courage? Where, where are you challenging me to maybe step out and experience a little risk? Really trust in you where I don't know how this is gonna turn out. Stepping out in faith and saying, I don't know where my foot's gonna land, but I'm gonna trust that you're gonna keep me. Where are your holy convictions guiding you, directing you, prompting you to exercise faith, to, tra- to, to, to practice, step into risk, be uncomfortable? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. Lord, that, that you speak to us in good times and bad times. Lord, that you, are, you are never failing. You are always faithful. God, even in this season, in this moment, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just prompt us, speak to us, guide us, and direct us. Lord, that you can complete us. God, that we don't live a safe life that gets to the end without any wounds or marks. But God, that we can walk through the battles with all of the scars that come along with it as proof and evidence and reminders that you are faithful you don't give up on us, even when it's tough and painful. But God, that you walk through the battles with us. And God, even when things might seem irrational, Lord, when you've called us to it, you'll meet us there. You'll do far more than we could ever do on our own. God, let us walk in that sense, that assurance, that trust. In Jesus' name. This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.